you go down the list, you also have saved by works and water baptism, which would mainly be the Campbellites, the Church of Christ, restoration movement. As I say, our attitude toward churches of Christ generally is in response to those who have been have been aggressively denunciatory of us. Yes. And we don't go out here just picking on churches of Christ per se. If they attack us, if they come toward us, then we respond. Now, I guess what we better do then is since the doctrines of the Church of Christ uh, obviously um, fulfill your standard or definition of what a cult is, we probably better go to that at this point because um, you have said that you agree with parts of the dictionary definition, but obviously there's more to it. Uh, what What is your definition of a cult? Well, uh, Brother uh, uh, Larry here is holding up a little uh, definition that I copied this from Larson's book. As, as you may recall, Mr. Bennett, who was representative of the Church of Christ in one of our TV debates, he mentioned Larson's book, and he said Larson didn't uh, mention Churches of Christ in this book, so uh, I got the impression that because Larson didn't mention them, Mr. Bennett was saying uh, Larson doesn't regard them as a cult. But uh, at the same time, Larson doesn't mention in here the Seventh-day Adventists, which Mr. Bennett thinks they're a cult, and he doesn't mention Roman Catholicism, and Bennett thinks they're a cult, and of course he doesn't mention Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians, and Bennett thinks that they are cults. So it did very little weight for him to say that Larson didn't mention them in the book, and so therefore they weren't a cult. But now, there's a book written by Bob Lawson on the Book of Cults, page 19, and he said that there are two factors used in the evaluation of a group that is a cult. Now, this is, these are the two points that he makes. Number one, uh, if it ignores or purposely omits apostolic doctrines. Number two, if it holds to beliefs that are distinctly opposed to orthodox Christianity. But if you notice here, I have, uh, this is from Larson, page 31, chapter 4, A Christian Perspective on Cults, and he has two contingent factors which evaluate whether a group is culty. All right. Number one, if they ignore or purposely omit central apostolic doctrines. So. These are ignored or omitted, and I think he could have added in there they are uh, perverted. distorted, perverted. perverted yeah. yeah. Then he goes on with number two in his definition. If they hold to beliefs which are distinctively opposite to the orthodox Christianity. Now, beliefs which are distinctively opposite to orthodox Christianity. Now, on this point... I personally, uh, when I look at a religious group or a religious teacher or a religious book, my first question is, what is the doctrine that is being taught under this theme of the gospel? Mm -hmm. What is their gospel? Mm -hmm. What message do they bring to men that explains to men the way of salvation? Yes. Now, Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, I say that any message that deviates from Jesus Christ as being the way to God 
and that deviates in such a way that it misleads people, that it misdirects people, that it puts something in the way of Christ or in addition to Christ or subtracts from Christ. This is a false gospel. You know, Paul talked about uh, someone coming and preaching another gospel, yes. another Jesus, Galatians and 1. another spirit. Now, that is, that is possible. Not only is it possible, but it's going on in the world. Another Jesus is being preached. Another gospel is being preached. Now, on this point here, this is the major element so far as I personally am concerned. Yes. Uh, because uh, if they're wrong on the gospel, then what does it matter if they're right about everything else? Right. And uh, if they're uh, wrong on everything else and right on the gospel, then uh, at least they're right on the major point of doctrine, of truth, of teaching. So on this point here, when I look at the word cult, and we are taking Larson's definitions, for instance, here on this, I find that, uh, at least in my judgment, as I understand the teachings of the Bible, that the belief on the gospel adhered to by the mainline or hardline Church of Christ uh, group is an error because on this point they add baptism to the gospel and uh, from there of course they go on to teach the idea that without baptism you're not saved and uh, then you have to uh, do all these other things they've got their so-called five acts of worship in the church that you have to do and you, you just have to keep going on. And in effect, what they're teaching is what we would regard as salvation by works. Yeah. In fact, you know what's funny about the Church of Christ is uh, they pretty much spawned a lot of the other cults. Back in the 1800s in mm. the United States, uh, you've got the Campbellites starting the Church of Christ, but out of them mm. came Mormonism. Mm. Out of them came Jehovah's Witnesses. It's so one heresy begets another heresy. us today because we have a very exciting and important show. Several weeks ago, Dayspring Evangelism Presents aired a program called The Rise of the Cults, Part 1, featuring one of our guests today in studio, Dr. Robert Morey. In that show, Dr. Morey answered the question, is the Church of Christ Christian or cultic? As a, as a result of that show, we have in our studios with us uh, two um, gentlemen who attend East Side Church of Christ who saw that show and who aired a rebuttal to it on their show entitled Gospel Truth. Now, in order to clear the, to, to the heat and to generate some light rather than heat, a debate was organized between Dr. Morey and the gentleman on my right that I'll be introducing in a moment, Bob L. Ross. Mr. Ross is the director of Pilgrim Publications, a ministry founded to republish the entire sermons and works of the late Charles Haddon Spurgeon, 
the famous British preacher uh, in England in the late 1800s. Mr. Ross is also the author of the pictorial biography of Charles Spurgeon and three books on the Restoration Movement, Campbellism, Acts 238, and Baptismal Regeneration, and the Restoration Movement. Seated next to him is Dr. Robert A. Morey. Dr. Morey is the author of over 20 books, some of which have been translated into Spanish, French, German, Italian, Finnish, and Chinese. He is pastor of the New Life Bible Church in Shermansdale, Pennsylvania, where he has pastored for 12 years. He is also the executive director of the Research and Education Foundation. Some of Dr. Morey's books have been listed in Christianity Today, Annual Best Books of the Year, the Christian Booksellers Association, The Best of the Good Books, and have been nominated for the Best Book of the Year. He is listed in the international authors and writers who's who and in contemporary authors. He is was the chairman of the membership committee of the Evangelical Theological Society for several years. Dr. Morey has earned a BA in philosophy from Covenant College, a Master of Divinity in Theology, and a DMIN in cult apologetics from Westminster Theological Seminary. He's been on hundreds of TV and radio programs and he has spoken at universities, colleges, and seminaries all over the world, as well as here, as, as here in the U.S. Some of Dr. Morey's books are Death in the Afterlife, How to Keep Your Kids Drug-Free, Studies in the Atonement, How to Witness to a Jehovah's Witness, How to Witness to a Mormon, Reincarnation, and The Bible and Horoscopes. Now, on my right, immediately here, is... Mr. George Williams. Mr. Williams is a graduate of Southwestern Christian College and Abilene Christian University. He is currently serving the East Side Church of Christ as the pulpit minister, and he served in this congregation for the past seven years. Seated next to him is Mr. Don Bennett. He has been a preacher and an evangelist in the Church of Christ for 33 years, and he currently produced and hosts, along with Mr. Williams, The Gospel Truth, a live Bible teaching telecast heard on Community Access Channel 32. As a result of the program several weeks ago, this debate was arranged, and in order to uh, present a well-reasoned, uh, well-thought-of, and clearly executed debate, I'm now going to introduce to you the moderator of the debate, Mr. Ben Fletcher. We have uh, time for these men to discuss their uh, uh, positions with, with each other, and uh, so I'm going to ask Mr. Don Bennett if he will uh, please begin. Okay, I have a question to, to ask Bob. I, in the last segment, uh, he made a comment, and he said that since 8065, that the church had already apostatized. Now, all we need to do to show the fallacy of this is to go to the book of Revelation, and we find that uh, uh, John was writing in A.D. 90. And he said, I was in the spirit on Lord's Day, confined to Isle of Patmos. Now, if the church was extinct, then the question is, how, if it was extinct in AD 65, how is John, who is an apostle, still living, riding on Isle of Patmos, Patmos, Patmos and being in the kingdom? All right, uh, Don, here is what I was quoting. This 
chart. I don't want to see your chart. I want you to respond. It's the Church of Christ chart. I don't want to see your chart. I want you to. I'm not interested in what your chart says. I want you. I quoted the chart written by Church of Christ Ministries. I'm not interested in what the Church of Christ Ministries. I didn't use AD 65. He doesn't believe it. I don't He's believe refuting it. it. I don't believe okay. it. Well, you look, agree with I, him? I'm not, no, I'm not defending any book you've got. Well, then your, your arguments man. with this man. No, I don't have any argument with him. My argument with, with anybody, what I'm stating is that, that if that's what his statement is, I don't know one way or the other. Because people write stuff in books that's not true. Well, then you disagree with Mr. Burgess, who's a Church of Christ minister, who wrote this chart and has AD 65. Okay, I don't know Mr. Burgess. I don't know Mr. Burgess. I, so I, what I'm saying I think, to uh, I think my point is you picked out the date and wanted to know about AD 65. And I'm saying that I just quoted what the Church of Christ minister said. No, but you quoted it as... I didn't believe it. I don't believe that. Okay. I disagree with it thoroughly okay. because I teach the church has always existed, oh, okay. but churches of Christ ministers teach that it began to fall away and they pick out AD 65. Okay. Can I respond to that? Now, you, you put all Church of Christ ministers in one little bag. You, you got one guy that you quoted, okay? And no telling where he is, what brand he is, uh, you know. So we've got false teachers that are in the Church of Christ. Okay, so I'm not going to defend any man. What we defend is this Bible. And so whether he said it, it doesn't make any difference who said it. If it's not the truth, it's not the truth. Okay, okay. Yeah. Alexander Camelin, this is another, I want to ask you this question specifically. Right. Now, you made the comment that Alexander Campbell, back in uh, 18 and, and I think you said around uh, 11, during the time that the Bull Run Church was established, Brush Run. Brush Run Church was established, and they became a part of the Baptist Association, uh, you implied that at this time he was a member of the Church of Christ. He was, was he not in fact a person that had formerly been a Presbyterian, and he was at that time associated with the Baptists and trying to reform the Baptists. Well, first he of was all, not a member of the Church of Christ. First of all, let me... Uh, refer you to this, since you mentioned a while ago a statement you said before we went on that you didn't care about Alexander Campbell. Here's what the Spiritual Sword magazine says, and this again, and the reason I'm referring to this magazine is there is a strong movement or a representation of the Church of Christ here in Austin that associates with this magazine. Mr. Jackson, who is a minister here of the Southwest Church of Christ, is a writer and a consistent speaker at the lectureship sponsored by these brethren out of Memphis, Mr. Bill Jackson. He writes for this magazine, he speaks at their lectureship, and I'm quoting from this magazine of October 1976, page 29. Men now living are in the debt of Alexander Campbell for having written and preached so faithfully these marvelous truths. And he goes on to explain that what Campbell and his brethren did was to restore this church that had gone out of existence into apostasy. Now, you said you didn't care about Alexander Campbell. That's fine. But you see, there are other representative Church of Christ men, like Mr. Jackson's brethren here at Spiritual Sword. They have more regard for Mr. Campbell than you seem to have. Can I, can I respond to that? Yes. Now, do. If, if you say, I said during the period, that Alexander was caught up trying to find his way in false doctrine. He was still a Baptist, more Baptist 
You know, he's still a Baptist during this period that you're talking about. Barton W. Stone had done a lot more to restore uh, New Testament Christianity or planting New Testament Christianity on American shores. See, on American shores. That's what they're noted for. Campbell got his act together later, and he preached and refuted many false doctrines, some that he formerly held. Now, one of these days, maybe you will come to the knowledge of truth. I'm not going to look back at you at your period now and say, well, look what he did uh, back in, in a, uh, 1990. Could, could I ask you a question, just out of curiosity? Sure, ask your question. You have indubitably run across Jehovah's Witnesses? Certainly. Seventh-day Adventists? Certainly. Mormons? Certainly. Etc. If we had representative of all those religious groups up here, and a few more I could name, all of them would say that they were, came out of the Restoration Movement. They all say that they restored the gospel, they restored the church. They all say they began in the first century and that there was a big blank space and then it was revived in the 1800s, same period of time. Let's take the Mormons, for example. If I were a Mormon, I would say we have the restored gospel, the restored baptism. As a matter of fact, we took off where Campbell left off and we grabbed most of his people. Uh, all the men surrounding Joseph Smith were leading uh, Campbellite preachers. Uh, Rigney said there's a 12 of them, and they taught him the concept of restoration and baptism. Now, when you would respond, if we had a Mormon here and you here and, and another, and you all said exactly the same thing, you would probably say to the Mormon, no, your church be was began by Joseph Smith. History proves it. Sure. And then Jehovah's Witness, no, Charles Taz Russell began yours. Then they would turn to you and say, and Alexander Campbell began yours. Which is and all true. of you would say, no, we all began in the first century. Either all of you are wrong, or one of you is right and the other is wrong, or they're all wrong, but you can't all claim the same exact thing. There's nothing unique about it. And when you said to this gentleman, you don't know where, you don't know when, you have no evidence, no history, no shred, not, a, not an old bottle, not a gravestone, not a, an archaeological spade, nothing, then you would be in the exact same position that when I'm dealing with the Mormon and I say Joseph Smith began the Church of Jesus Christ and he used a Bible name for a Bible church and a lot of Mormonism came right out of Alexander Campbell and his teaching. Uh, you began by Joseph Smith, you were begun by Alexander Campbell, used by Charles Taz Russell, you by Alan G. White, and history verifies it, and you would agree with me as long as I kept it to all the cults, but if I applied the same methodology to you, then you, then you would yelp. You're Why, absolutely right. And how then do you deal with Mormons without refuting yourself? Okay, now, you, you've asked me quite a few questions. Yeah. Now, we know if you're intellectually honest, you know when Mormons started. I know as when I, capitalism as I stated, started. Wait a as I started, stated in the beginning, there can only be one birth date for any organization. I know when Dayspring started. You told me that 12 years ago, the first Dayspring came into existence we here in Austin. Now, I, that I'm not a member not, of Dayspring. Well, I'm, ahead, I'm not, I don't know what you, you haven't told me yet. Yeah, but see, your organization well, but wait, but let has me, a Let me ask you a question. 60, you yeah. talk for five minutes, yeah. and you're going to cut me off every time I say no, something. No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Now, so what I'm saying, we know where Dayspring started from. We know who started Dayspring's. Okay? Like we know where Campbell started, your church started. No, not my church. We know you, and you know what? You're still not letting me make a comment. Oh, okay. okay. You let's, can let's continue to cut me off. Go ahead. Go ahead. So the point I'm trying to make is that we know where Dayspring started. It was not in Jerusalem, AD 33. Now, 
What I'm saying about Campbell, just like anybody that has knows the truth, regardless to where he is, given the Bible, and he's intellectually honest, there are some things that they're going to recognize. One of them is baptism, which every false preacher tries to say is not in the Bible, and it's all the way through, water baptism, just because they're intellectually dishonest, okay? Now, a person, honest person, pick up Acts 2.38, okay, he don't have any action ground, he's not a Calvinist, he read it and he see what he's saying. Okay, now, so the, what the question, the, the, the answer to your question is, yeah, yes, they are wrong because there's only one that is correct, and that is the Church of Christ, which you will admit, but you will not identify. You say you are a member of the Church of Christ, which is not true. Well, are you through with that comment now? Yes, I'm through. All You're right, good. now, I'd like to make a comment. You keep referring to intellectual honesty. Yes, absolutely. I'm not going to use that about you because I wouldn't be That's here. That's not true. I would not be here if I didn't assume that you were intellectually honest. And I hope that you give us that assumption. You don't and judge we don't, our motives. We don't have to use that kind of language. Okay. If you earn now, it. I have a booklet here, Historical Information. These are books of the world that you know about. Encyclopedia Britannica, Americana, Collier's Encyclopedia, World Book, New Standard Encyclopedia, Webster's Dictionary, and I have page after page after page. Mm -hmm. And then I have Church of Christ historians mm -hmm. that you might recognize. John D. Cox, Brumbach, uh, Klingman, Thomas, Phillips, McClung, Baxter and Young, Robert Richardson, Campbell's son-in-law, Garrison de Groot, Seeger, Garrison, Creel. There's not a Baptist in here. Mm -hmm. Every one of these men uphold me in what I have asserted in this debate. Mm -hmm. that Alexander Campbell, Thomas Campbell, Barton Stone, and uh, Walter Scott, in their work, restored the Church of Christ. Now, we know just as certain that about your history, I know of no religious movement that I can document almost every single item that they believe in practice and historically date it and associate it with the person anymore than the churches of Christ. Now, I challenge you, mm -hmm. if you want to talk about challenges, okay. to take this book and to show me one thing in this book taught by Alexander Campbell mm -hmm. that you do not believe and practice. If it's in this book, if it's in this book, this book, and Alexander, wait a this minute, book, wait a minute. If this it's book. in that book and it's in this book, I'll agree. Are you saying yes. that this book and that book are the same? No, 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 no. Now, you know what I'm saying. I'm, but I'm saying telling you, I'm telling you, that I'm telling you that your interpretation, even on the word for in Acts 2.38, mm -hmm. Alexander Campbell claims in this book mm -hmm. that he was the first man in this, on this continent to ever assert that baptism was in order to the remission of sins, and I have the book right here in which he made the statement, the campbell McCullough debate. He said it. Now, that's his claim. You are asserting his interpretations of that book, and it, the, those interpretations are in this book. Can I ask you a question? Just one question, brother, I'm going to let you go. Now, was the King James Bible in effect when you said that Campbell was the only person who made that assertion? That's a superfluous no, no, question. I, no, it's not superfluous. It's right on point. That's you said that Campbell was the Campbell first person that made the assertion. He was using the King James probably, and he was reading it from the King That's James. That's a superfluous the question. That, no, it's not superfluous. The King James does not say in order to. It says, it says for. for. That's right. But Campbell said he was the first one to assert mm -hmm. baptism in order to the remission of sin. Well, what is for? 
Now, if you want to differ oh. with Campbell, but it's for me. But can I answer that question? For, if I said, to. go get that satchel mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. does that mean you go get me or go get the satchel? The word satchel. for simply means in reference to. Could you go to the store for yeah, me? It, it, there it doesn't mean that you went to get me. If you're going to be baptized, and Alexander Campbell put it this way, he said that Greek word ace means in reference to, everybody's agreed with that. The question is what is it in reference to? That's the issue. The English word for, I have no problem with. Because John the Baptist baptized for remission of sin, for Should repentance. And you would agree with me that you repent and then you're baptized. You don't get baptized. You don't go out and grab somebody on the street and say, you're going to sin or you're going to be baptized right now. And this guy's unrepentant, unbelieving sinner and you baptize him? You got to have repentance. You got to have faith. Then you baptize him. Well, the word for doesn't mean necessarily in order to obtain. And this is what we're saying, that the word does not necessarily mean what you say it only means, but if it doesn't mean it in Matthew 3.11, it doesn't mean it where it says they preached ace at the preaching of Jonah, place after place after place, where clearly th that word for did not mean in order to obtain. Matter of fact, I, I just went through my library and I found those ten translations and eight statements of Greek scholars I did not find a Bible translation that translated be baptized in order to obtain remission of sins. In order to obtain, I didn't, I've never heard of a Bible translation. Have you ever heard of one that put it that way? Do you know of one that puts it that way? The word for, thus, is not automatically yours. But I don't know one that puts it. It's a point of grammar that you have to look at. But again, I would to go back a little bit to that one statement. It's hard for us as evangelicals. I deal with the cults and the occult, and I deal with the whole merry-go-round of Mormons and JWs and Merhababa and children of God. And when I have dozens of people all claiming to be Jesus Christ or the restored church or the Latter-day Prophet and all the rest of it, I have to have some objective way of handling all these claims. You're not, everything you say, the United Pentecostal says, he just adds baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, but he has the exact same arguments. I just debated them on television. They use, they start, exact same argument. I'll, if you don't know United Pentecostals then, they use exactly the same arguments that you do, restoration. line for line, except that they, and it's restoration, except they add it. How can you refute these groups without refuting yourself in the end? Hey, I want uh, Mr. Williams is going yes, to Okay, <laughs> let me respond to see because in your pre uh, presentation, uh, Dr. Moya, you did not refer to uh, you. You keyed in on Matthew three eleven, and I specifically stated in my discourse in Matthew three eleven that the word does not mean uh, for or you know what to. Mm -hmm. I specifically made that statement. Oh, and I was very happy okay. you did. All right, I, because you it proved is, my it point. Is, no, no in that context. Now, would you agree with me, and I'll let you just answer this and not consider it as an interruption, would you agree with me that ace is then a word, a, a preposition, that the meaning thereof is determined by, no, no, the context in which it is used and the case with which it is used? 
I just want to say. No, I want Dr. Boyer to answer that question. I want to agree with you on that point. I see what you're getting at. Because you see, it's the sense that we're interested in, right? That's correct. In what sense is baptism for the remission of sins? Mm -hmm. That's the whole question. No, we want to know in what sense we is that argue. word ace used in, right. in, the, in the Bible. Now, we, can, we, can, we can argue all day about the Greek word, mm -hmm. but it's like that expression, this is my body. Well, we know that he had not died at that time, so literally. But I don't want to get Catholic, off that subject. See, the Roman Catholic, I want to get off on that. I know about transubstantiation and all of that. The Roman Catholic Let's press deal with you ace. on that. Right. Same way you press right. us on baptism. Right. Now, I want him to respond to that question about ace and how it is used in context. Is it a contextual word? All interpretation of the Bible should be in terms of its context. So it is a contextual word. So historical word. narrative should never be the basis of doctrine like the speech that Peter gave is a Reader's Digest shortened con uh, condensation. He said a lot more than what is recorded there. it take you two minutes. And what you do ask is, where is the Greek word for baptism? Where is baptism used that also uses ace, and then it's put in the accusative case? In terms of the grammatical context, if you ask that question, you find immediately a parallel between Matthew 3.11 and Acts 2.38. Grammatically, can you tell me one way that they're different? Right. Are they both in because the accusative could, case? Because, yes, it is. But also, you can look at Mark 1.4 and see the accusative case of Ace, and it is used in Mark 1.4 where it says that he baptized for uh, uh, remission repentance of and for the remission of sins. Now, there again, it is not before the uh, repentance as in Matthew 3.11. But it's just like it is stated in Acts 2.38. Now, do you, now, do you wait, agree me, that John me, the Baptist baptism doesn't save? Do you hold to the... I, I, I agree with what the Bible says, that it was for the remission of sins. It was in view that their sins would be remitted. But what does that mean? We all agree with the Bible. Yeah. Now, I'll answer that question after I finish answering your, after you finish answering my well, question. Well, you've asked me I'll one. Come, I've just no, no, given I you another one. I have not finished because let's, you, let's you, let you interrupted and you said finish. some things. Okay. But I want to look at Young's analytical concordance. And he gives... Uh, several ways in which the word ace is used. Sure. All right. Now, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 28, Jesus said, this is my blood, which is shed for the remission of sins, or of the New Testament, which is shed for ace, used with the accusative, remission of sins. Now, I ask you, since you're trying to say that ace then means because of, as you referred to uh, the preaching of Jonah uh, and, and the people repented and as you referred to the baptism of John now if that is the truth is it saying in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28 that Jesus died because the people had already been forgiven or did he shed his blood in order that their sins might be forgiven which is true um, that's not a difficult question you have only given me two options, neither of which is my position. Well, what is your position? My position is that ace simply means in regard to, in so, reference okay. to. Uh, now, I kept quiet. I, I held my tongue. You hold yours. I got it. The context issue is this. Where is the word baptism connected with ace, then followed up with something in the accusative case? Hmm. Acts 2.38, grammatically, it does not stand by itself in the New Testament. There are other places where exactly the same 
grammatical construction is found. Mark 1-4. Every Campbellite theologian, and when I deal with groups, and the word cult can be stretched to refer to a Baptist church uh, who runs their people and tells who's to get married, who's not. It can refer to authority that's overbearing. It can refer to a group where they tell you to get up and go to bed, or it can refer to deviant doctrine. But regardless of what group I'm dealing with, I have to look at the scholars who write the books and the textbooks are used at the college you went to, the, the seminary. The, and so when I look at every Campbellite scholar that I have been able to find, they all say that the baptism that John the Baptist gave, even though it was ace, remission of sin, ace, repentance, same terminology, did not wash away their sins. They had to be rebaptized, Acts chapter 19, that, that, that baptism of John was not contacting the blood. Now, given that fact based upon the Church of Christ scholars, to be intellectually honest, I must say that that is the position I will deal with. Now, I, I can meet an individual Catholic, for example. Let's say we're debating Catholicism. And I state that the Catholic Church teaches, according to the Council of Trent, that Jesus said, this is my body, and the priest goes hocus pocus mocus, and it becomes the body. Now, this individual Catholic, uh, let's say her, his name is a Gloria Esperanza, says, oh, I, I'm a Catholic, and I believe it's just a symbol. Well, I have to go by what the church officially says, the, the books, the, the catechisms. Now, are you saying that you believe that John's baptism was contacting the blood, their sins were washed away, they were forgiven and they became children of God just with John's baptism, and thus you contradict all the scholars of the Church of Christ that I have been able to find on this issue? Is that what you're See, saying? First of all, and I'll answer your question real simple. I believe what the Bible says about the baptism of John. So do we. Okay. So do we. We now, all believe. Ho, ho, ho. Let just... me finish. The Bible says very plainly in Luke chapter 7 and verse number 29 and 30, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with this verse. It says, and all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him. Now, the Bible tells us there that those who rejected John's baptism rejected the counsel of God. Now, John's baptism had to be accepted by the people on the basis of their repentance in order for them to be accepted and forgiven by God. Could they ignore John's baptism and, and then be forgiven by God? You did say... I'm asking you a basis, question. I, I, you said on the basis of their repentance. And sure, I'm, they had to repent just like Acts 2.38 says. You're not going to get me to say we baptize folk that don't repent. Okay. That's what Acts 2.38 says. And that's what John said in Matthew chapter 3. So he you, said to those Pharisees that came out, before you can get baptized, you've got to show forth fruit worthy of repentance. In other words, so you're now saying, the question is, wait a minute, that's still no contradiction. We teach, repent, and be baptized. Like Acts 2.38 says. Acts 2.38 says, we teach that. So the issue is not whether or not those people repented before they were baptized. We know that. But the issue is, could a person reject the baptism of John and still be considered righteous in the sight of God and forgiven by God? Are you saying then... Answer that question. All right. Uh, so could I he can, do it? So I can understand it. Are you saying that John's baptism remitted sins in an exact parallel to the baptism it, it, in Acts chapter 2? Sins. No. no, no. No? It remitted no. sins. Hold on. Oh, oh. Let me That's finish. Now, it remitted sins. No, no. It remitted, it remitted sins. sins. It remitted sins. But there's a difference. 
of the fact that Christ was going to come and shed his blood. All right, all and right, Hebrews chapter right. 9 and verse number 15, listen to this. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15, of course, you know that at that time, those people were still under the old covenant. The new covenant of Christ had not yet been inaugurated and established. Therefore, the blood of Christ was retroactive. It went back and covered those who were under the first covenant as well as those who would live under the new covenant. Now, when Jesus, I'm asking you a question. Now, when Jesus said to Philip, or uh, said to uh, the apostles, go preach, and you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, that baptism is essential and cannot be ignored if it can upon what basis do you ignore that baptism now, upon what basis could the jews ignore john's now, baptism we've given you about 10 minutes we want to we want to answer our views since we know now that you do not believe that john's baptism parallels in purpose no no, no I the baptism of acts 238 let me explain my comment okay you said it was not the same as the baptism of acts 238 in purpose in purpose let me explain my comment all right it didn't put them into the church the one that john did we're talking about remission of sins yes did john's baptism let me ask you a question remit sins let me ask you a question it did remit sin it did they became children of god when they went down into the water and christ remitted sin they became the children of god when John baptized. Let me ask you a question. Well, yes or no? God. Let me they ask you a question. Answer his question. They were already uh, children of sure God. They were, they let's were, they let's were, see if we can uh, make some sense. You got to let me answer your question. Let's let's see if we can get uh, All right. Mother Ross here's our, to Here's our position on the question he originally raised. You asked me a question. Yeah, I'm giving you The question he originally raised about Matthew 26. We believe that the death of Jesus Christ was for the remission of sins in the literal sense. Amen. That he actually suffered for our sins and literally remitted our sins. We believe that through faith we experimentally have the remission of sins. Acts 10.43 To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. We believe this comes in experience by faith. We believe that in baptism, and all of us believe in baptism and have been baptized. We've been baptized for the remission of sins. But we believe that the baptism for the remission of sins is in ceremony. Is in ceremony. Baptism is for the remission of sins with a due to the remission of sins in ceremony. Yes. Now, Jesus literally remitted sins at his death. Faith experimentally receives it. Baptism ceremonially professes it. Now, that's the sense. And you, yourself, said that it was interpreted contextually. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what we agree with. We agree that it's interpreted contextually and the sense in which baptism can wash away sins is in the sense of a ceremony. I want to know, does it It cannot do it? literally wash away does sins. It, well, well, Jesus' we blood know, only. We know that, that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only. Now. We've already said You're that. You're doing double talk now. But when does it wash away sins? Well, do you sins? believe that you contact the blood in the water? Can you uh, It's an operation of faith question, according to Colossians uh, 14. Do you believe this historical statement I've heard for years and years that we I, contact the no blood problem. in the water? I want to know. Wait, do wait, you believe? hold it we're, just a minute. Right. Let's answer, answer one question. We're going to try to answer one question, and this is the question that we just got. At what point does the blood of Christ actually remit sins? Wash away sins. At what point? At what yes. point does the blood of Jesus actually? Well, this is a broad theological question. I'll try to answer. Answer it briefly. First of all, with God, 
with God. The death of Jesus Christ is what satisfies the law of God. That's, that's where remission of sins is important legally. May I, may I ask these two gentlemen, is that, do you agree with that, that the death we, of we, Jesus we Christ that. is the point that sins are forgiven? We no, know that. No, no, no. We no, know that the death of Jesus Christ is for the forgiveness, now, the forgiveness of sins. Now, the, the issue is, is does everybody, will everybody be saved then? Since he died for the world, and Titus 2.11 says, the grace of God has appeared unto all men. Will then all men be saved? And if so, that's contrary to everything. With respect to God, legally, with respect to God's law, the death of Jesus Christ satisfied the law. Amen. Now, experimentally, from us, we participate in that in, like John 3.18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. Right there. Now, right there. He that believeth on him. That means if you trust in the full weight of your faith on Jesus Christ, you are not condemned. Now, that's, that's, where, that, that's where that we have the sense of remission of sins in experience. I agree with that. Since my friend, experience. my friend taught grammar, isn't belief in the Bible sometimes used as a sonegliche? Uh, you may be pronouncing it wrong, but I'm not aware of that word. You aren't? No. So negligee. It is a word, a one, a word that is used to, to represent. No, no, no. So negligee. You can get on any any grammar book and look it up, and it, it stands. It is a word that stands for the total process. And I can show you how belief is used in the New Testament in that sense. Turn over to Acts 19. Which well, is, now, we're not bargaining here for a sermon on what I know you're going to talk about. You're going to say that faith represents the whole obedience of baptism and, and repentance and confession well, that's what and all of it? That's what it says. In other words, you can't have faith unless you've got all these. That's right. The devil believes. Are you going to assume then that the devil is a Christian? Do you believe, James don't, don't you believe that faith has an origin, a point of origin? It comes yes. from here in the Is Word of God. Is it alive at the point of the origin? The Bible says in, the, yes. in, in Romans 10, 17, it's alive faith at the point comes of origin. from here in the Word of God. It's an alive Explain faith. what you mean by the it's, point of origin. In other words, when faith has its first origin, uh, in obedience, origin. do you believe the Bible commands you to believe? Oh, yes. All right, then, when you respond to that command, is faith alive? Yes. All right, then. Faith has its life before baptism. I believe. Faith has its life before baptism. Sure it does. Sure this it man does. was trying we, to we tell me that, that faith is comprehending mm. all these actions. I'm telling you that the Bible sometimes uses the word faith. That's not what we Belief as a negligee, one word to comprehend the whole. But that's not the exclusive use of faith. Well, I know that. You would ask me a question. I never got a chance to answer. Ephesians 1 says, having believed, you were sealed. The Greek of that passage and you can check it since you had Greek, shows that it says at the point of believing is when you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Where is that? Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. one. Okay. If you would please turn there. Oh, yes. Okay. Verse 13. Verse? In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Mm -hmm. Now, I've looked in dozens of commentaries and Greek scholars. It's very clear, the apostle Paul is saying, the seal of the Holy Spirit was given when, at the point they believed, 
And faith in the scripture is an act. It's something you do. Amen. That's, when they that's, came to Jesus. You heard my... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, let me finish. As I started by saying, Jesus said he was the author of eternal salvation to those who obey him. He gives us certain things to obey. One is repent and believe, which are both commands. And faith involves three things. Notitia, fiducia, and assensus. It evolves intellectually assent, where you say, I believe in the proposition, Jesus Christ is Lord, he rose from the dead. It also believes in knowledge. You have to know something before you can assent to it. And then it involves the inner trust of the heart where you commit yourself to the person. Like what they said to the jailer, what must I do to be saved? Believe in Jesus. And as you study the Gospel of Acts, when you step from unbelief to belief, you're stepping from darkness to light, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Son of God, you become a believer. Now, as a believer, you have the process of the Christian life before you. But you are either a believer or an unbeliever, and at the point of faith is when you were sealed by the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians 1.12. Uh, Alexander Campbell was never a Baptist. I said, remember the Baptist Association. He was never. And a I said he was aligned to the Baptist Church. He Baptist was never. He was never a Baptist church member. Look, I never did a Baptist not say. Church listen, I said that he was in the Baptist Association. That he was more aligned to the Baptist than he was. He church was of never in a Baptist church. Would you let the, me? The organization he was with affiliated with the Redstone Baptist Association as an affiliating organization. That's they what were I said. Never a Baptist church. And he was never a member of a Baptist church, although he had been baptized by a Baptist church. Now, look, preacher. I'm going to say something here, okay? <laughs> and what I want to say is the fact that you misrepresented what I said, because I said that Alexander Cameron, at the point you mentioned in 1811, was associated with the Baptist Association. He was not a member of the Church of Christ. He was not a member of the Church of Christ. He was not a member of the Baptist Church because there was no, you, there was no I, Church of Christ. I did not say he was there a was member. There was no Church of Christ there. Listen. You misrepresent him again, and, and on the tape it's going to show. I said that he was associated with the Baptist Association. He was a preacher at the Bull Run, Bull Run Church. And that church was in the Baptist Association. In 1811, they were not in the Baptist Association. They did not get in the Baptist Association, if you look at the book I gave you beforehand, until 1813. Okay. And it wasn't the bull run, it was the brush run. Oh, the brush run, okay. And see, you've got, you got to get your history right. These dates and places and people. Okay. Correction, now, Alec, now, but still Campbell, the point that I made, the point that I made that I want you to answer is that Alexander Campbell was not a member of the Church of Christ during the time he was associated with the Baptist Association. Exactly right, because there was That's no Church of Christ. Say. There was no Church of Christ. No, no, there was no Church of Christ The Church in of America. Christ developed after all this as a result no, wait, of the wait, restoration. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. See, Mr. Elkins shows that they restored it, so there was no Church of Christ. That's yeah, why he went to yeah, the Baptist yeah, Association. Yeah, wait, wait. Hey, let, let me explain what I mean, what you're probably trying to say. Now, it's possible that there may not be a church in Austin. I mean, at, at one time. But that does not mean that there was not a church. Just like that there was not a church probably in America, Barton Stone started the movement in that direction with the Christian church before uh, uh, Alexander Campbell was associated with him. Let me finish my comment. So what I'm saying is that Alexander Campbell had a great deal to do 
was establishing the church in the United States. But Alexander Campbell was not always a member of the Church of Christ. Are you sure? A lot of places that Paul went that there was not a Church of Christ until he went there and evangelized. Are you through? Now, no, but I'm not through yet. Go ahead. Until he went there and evangelized. So what I'm saying, at a certain gift point in time, you can't point to Campbell and say, well, Campbell is a member of the Church of Christ throughout of all his lifetime. Now are you through? I'm through. <laughs> now, I, I want you to respond to my question. <laughs> is that the truth or not? On, I'm going to tell you, if okay. you'll let me answer okay, without you interrupting answer. me. On the basis of the history that I have read, written and published by Church of Christ Publishing Company. Oh, gosh, here we go again. If you or Mr. Williams or Mr. Morey or myself had been there in 1811 and we wanted to obey the gospel by repenting and being baptized for the remission of sins that they've been discussing, mm -hmm. and uh, we looked around mm -hmm. in this area or in all the United States or in all the world, mm -hmm for a church that wore the name Church of Christ, that practiced non-instrumental music, mm -hmm. that said that we are the Christians of the world, we mm -hmm. are the church, the one and only, we could not have found a Church of Christ because there was not one there. You're As a willing to make that Now, statement. wait a minute, I'm not through answering. As a consequence, Mr. Campbell said, well, the closest thing to do, and this is Church of Christ history mm -hmm. telling me this, is to find the minister who will administer immersion. And he went to Matthias Luce, a Baptist minister. He That's said, now, I don't want to be baptized to be a Baptist. My position is not to defend any man. My position is only to defend what is in this book, the Bible. Now, I know for certain that Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 18 that he was going to build his church. I want to know what church is that, that he built. Now, first of all, did he do it? Can or I did he lie? That's, a, that's a good question to answer, and I'd like to hear the answer to it. As you deal with Jehovah's Witnesses, they will tell you there is only one organization on earth, which is Christ's kingdom, its headquarters are in Bethel, and it's restored the gospel, and they are built upon the assumption we don't there has to be one continuous, visible organization called the church. If I go to the Mormons, they say the same thing. It doesn't and answer that, my what, question what, about Matthew 16 and 18. Wait a second. They all say the same thing you're saying. So either one of a hundred groups who all claim to be the church set up, the Catholic church with its apostolic and the popes going back, when you have a hundred groups all making the same claims, None of them having a shred of historical evidence to go from here to here, almost 2,000 years, each of them being, quote, restored by a leader, Joseph Smith, Campbell, Russell, Ellen G. White. And you can clearly see from their historians, their men who teach in the universities and the seminaries and the colleges who write the books, that these are the men who restored it. They all make the same claims. None of them have any documentation to say in 1603 was there a church of Christ without musical instruments that used that name and the, and the Mormons of course used the phrase Church of Jesus Christ then I have to come to the conclusion that they're all wrong but you don't have know. any more evidence for your claim but than the Jehovah's know. Witness the Mormon, the Christadelphian or any of the other groups which came out of the restoration movement they say the same thing you're saying and how can you refute them when they give you the same argument? Because I can claim to be anybody. I can, I can claim to be George Bush. Doesn't yes. make it so. 
What and you I have, can claim to be I, the Church of Christ. What I have to do is prove it, all right, by certain identifying marks. You've right? got to prove it in history. All right. No, I don't have to prove it from here. All I have to do is prove it from this. Yeah, the, but this is the two posts. Yeah, this but is see, the pattern. This is the pattern. Would you agree and with when me? When I follow the two posts, when I pat, follow the pattern, yes. I reproduce the real thing. Okay, would now, you agree with me? I want me? to know, you have, have not answered my question. What's your question? You went into a long dissertation about Jehovah's Witnesses, which we fight against, Mormons, which we fight against, and it doesn't make any difference about what they claim. Mm -hmm. What matters is, can they prove what they claim from what is written? Yes. Now, I want to know, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18, when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What church was that? And did he do it? That's all I want to know. When Jesus Christ spoke of his church mm -hmm. or his flock, he was not referring to concrete and steel buildings Amen. sitting on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. We teach that He was not that. referring to specific little groups mm. who would identify themselves as the only one marching to heaven, be they the Jehovah's who he, Witnesses who did, who or Mormons or whoever they were. We they were they the followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. So a saved Methodist is part of the Church of Christ. A saved Baptist is a member of the Church of Christ. Someone who has repented and believed the universality of the Church. The Church covers all those who are ushered into fellowship with the Lord Jesus. The cults, that's the Christian position, the cults always say, we are that organization. And when I look at the same claim you've given me, and it's the same arguments that the Mormons give me, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the United Pentecostals, ad infinitum, ad nauseum, you're not saying anything more. You use the same arguments. You have no further evidence. I have to say, all of you are wrong. If you accepted Christ and trusted in him alone, I would say, brother, I don't care if you baptize forward, backward, three times, upside down. I don't care if you roll, sing, dance, chew, go out with the girls who do. Jesus Christ is the issue. All right, now I ask the who question. Do, who is now he? I ask the question. That's the key. I'll ask the question to you. And I answer First it. of all, if, can, do you have any biblical authority for a Baptist church, Methodist church, Presbyterian we're church, Dayspring church, any church, that you, you made these, the mention of these things and said a baptized, Meth or a believing Methodist, a believing Baptist, a believing Catholic, Whosoever. where is the authority? Whosoever. Do, wait, wait, wait. Whosoever. Wait, wait. Do you have any authority for these unscriptural names. Whosoever covers all of them. All right, but it doesn't cover all of these sects. Whosoever believe it. That covers right. all of them. It doesn't, it doesn't have cover the all these sects. It covers, it covers their names. Black, white, rich, poor, whoever. Are you then asserting now, are you asserting now that those churches, those churches, those denominational branches, are you asserting now that they were in existence when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and therefore everybody from among them who Can believes I, will become a part of my one spiritual body. Salvation does not okay. depend upon what church let you let are in. And, well, and person, as a matter of fact, let oh, me finish. Okay. Now, you're wanting us to say that Roman church is scriptural, the Episcopalian church is scriptural or whatnot. We, we don't believe that. We believe that a church should Thank practice you. according to the Bible. Thank and you. Bible practices are defined in the Bible. Amen. But what we're pointing out is this. Mm -hmm. 
You claim that all the saved are in the particular church of which you are a member, which wears the name Church of Christ. Yes. We say that all the saved are those who believe or trust in Jesus Christ, and there's somebody that does that besides those that are in your church. I want to ask you a question. Well, let me finish. Hold let me add just a little okay. postscript. You see that? I'm we believe that they're saved probably if you or go perhaps to, in all churches. All right. if, as I went to the... Church of Christ of the Independent Lot, the, in Independence, the Church of Christ of the Temple Lot in Independence, Missouri, which is one of the 12 Mormon denominations. I'm not interested in them. I asked them, what biblical authority do you have for your church? They went to all the same places that mentioned the Church of Christ and said, in the first century, every reference to the Church of Christ refers to us. You, you can't, you can't. You do the same thing. Can can you can't prove Listen anything about the Church of Christ. This is by Garland Elkin. Let, let me say something. Let me read this. Now, let me say there something. There are no Christians... There are no Christians who are not members of the Church of Christ. That Wait, means Baptists, no Christians. I agree. Methodists, no Christians. If, if, We're all going now, to hell, Okay, right? let, me, let me tell you a situation where I believe that there may be a Christian. No Christians. Now, let, me, let me give you a point You're where there the may be a Christian. You're the only saved on earth. He might, be a, he might be the kind of Christian that you'd find in a Baptist church. Is he saved then? No, no. I'm, he left the Church of Christ. I'm asking you a question. That's what I said. That's why I said it. <laughs> you may find some apostate Christians in oh, the Baptist apostate, church. Apostate. Yeah. Now, but they're let, not saved. Let, let, me, let me say this. Let me see. Uh, well, they can be. Just like but anybody not. else. You're the only son. Just like the prodigal son, if he had died out there in the hog pit, he wouldn't you, be saved. Let, let your me, church let me, is let me, the one look, and Will you let me say something? I've said here about let, 10 minutes. Let's let the i said here about 10 minutes. And listen. Now, yes, we do believe that the Church of Christ is the place where the saved are, according to Acts 2.47. And you're the only ones. The Church of Christ is the only one. Only one saved. There's only your, your one church. way, your and church. that way is through Jesus Christ, and that's through His that's church. That's why we think you're his, a cause. Will you let me finish what I'm saying? Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I know that. Now, you, I'm, I'm going to ask you point blank uh, what you said. Yes, we, we don't deny that. You don't have to get somebody's book. I would have told you that. We believe that the Church of Christ, his spiritual body, is the only organism as instituted in Acts 2, as was preached and the people became a member of, and, and, and uh, the Lord added them to it in Acts 2, 48, is the only, there's only one, Acts 4 and 4, only one, and that one is the Church of Christ. Now, the other point I wanted to make now, you know, we can discuss that in debate. Can I ask a question on that part of oh, your... Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. But I want to go what back to this. What do you do with the 25-plus churches, all named Church of Christ, mm -hmm. in Mormon and other cultic groups, who all say, we are the Church of Christ and mm -hmm. have the Bible name and have the restored gospel and use the exact same argument you just gave? No, no. If they don't adhere to the doctrine of Christ, I don't care what their name is then they are not the Church of Christ. The name is important, but it's not all important. So, now, okay, the, so just because you're called unity, Church of Christ it's important mean you're because it gives honor to Christ as a head. If you like our YouTube channel, please subscribe by clicking on the subscribe button and then by also clicking the bell above to get an automatic update whenever we produce another YouTube video for our See Answers TV channel. Please share our videos with your friends and relatives. May God bless you. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. 
Z-related videos by tapping or clicking screens.